0: Let's open our Bibles today to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and we continue in our series through the book of Ephesians, a letter by the Apostle Paul to believers in Ephesus. I want us to pray together. We take this time to pray for the teaching of God's Word and the Holy Spirit to work and also some intentional prayer, different things. And uh, this morning I want to ask you to pray with me, particularly for those in our community that respond uh, to times of need and emergency in our community. We mark this weekend, 20 years since 9 11, and the loss of almost 3,000 lives there. And just a big part of the remembering this week for me was those who were running toward the emergency, running toward the tragedy to try to help and try to serve and try to rescue. And every one of us have in this community the the ability to just real easily dial 911 and expect and think that somebody's going to be on the other end of that that will respond, uh, be that an EMT or law enforcement or a firefighter or an ambulance coming and uh, we are served by those who stand on call around the clock and I I just would like for us to take a minute as a church family that even involves some of you sitting in this room that serve in that way But let's pray together and go to the Lord Father I want to bow before you and thank you for your grace we've sang about it already in every song we've seen it demonstrated Lord in the picture of baptism and you are good to us, you pour out on us gifts far beyond what we can measure and uh, that are completely unmerited. We praise you God as a grace-giving God. Father, we, we thank you for your word and thank you that we have this letter of Ephesians to learn from, to be encouraged by, to be strengthened to find life and to find the story of, of eternity. You're good to us, gracious and giving us this letter. We pray, Father, today just for this, particularly this one grace that there are people that serve in our community in times of great need. Uh, thank you for those that Lord respond. Thank you for those that just are around the clock on call. Thank you for Firefighters and law enforcement and EMTs and ambulance drivers and, Lord, those that just say, I'm here to help if somebody has a need. Lord, probably today before uh, the day ends, we'll hear a siren somewhere in our community, somebody responding to a need. And uh, I pray, Lord, together we do that you would give wisdom in those situations that call for quick decisions. We pray. Lord, for peace and calm in many situations or walking into where there's a lot of anxiety and worry. We pray, Lord, that you would raise up people to serve where there are gaps. And, um, Lord, we just want to thank you for those who serve in this way. We commit this time to you. Holy Spirit, do your work that only you can do. Go beyond what could be done temporarily and humanly right now and use your eternal word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. One year ago today, uh, my second-born son, Connor, was married. And uh, thinking thinking back, just a year that has passed, and I was charged with one responsibility uh, going into that wedding, and that was to get the slideshow together. Now, If any of you have ever been at a wedding somewhere, you know, rehearsal time, you get to see the slideshow. So that meant going through boxes and boxes of pictures and old, just different sources of pictures, trying to find all of those pictures that would tell the story of his life. Uh, Parents, you know the drill. You tell your kids now, just stand still, take the picture. we got to have something to show at your wedding one day. I mean, you just, you go through that and... The funny pictures, the embarrassing pictures, the cute, the sad, the candid, the posed, uh, just pictures that tell the story from birth right up to the very day. What if you could do that with your life? What if you could do that with your life spiritually? What if today you were charged with the responsibility to find the picture that shows your life before Jesus. The picture that tells the story. Of this is what it was like in my life before I met Christ. And then find the picture that tells the story of you coming to know Christ. Find the picture that tells the story of your life after Jesus. What does that look like? What is in that scene? Here's one last one. What if you had to find a picture that would tell the story of what you're expecting in your spiritual life to come? Some spiritual slideshow to where you just laid it all out there. Here you are before Jesus. Here you are at the time you came to know Jesus. Here you are when You've met Jesus and you know him. And then right over here, what you think it might be like one day. Well, we have those pictures. We have those pictures in Ephesians chapter 2. Not photographs, but word pictures. And the Apostle Paul takes the church at Ephesus and he says, Here are the pictures. Here's the photo before Jesus. Here's the photo when you met Jesus. Here's the photo now that you know Jesus. And here's the photo to come. And he gives us the word pictures of salvation. And let's, let's look at I want you to see with me these first nine verses of Ephesians chapter 2. And see if you see the slideshow running. See if you see the pictures developing in front of our lives. It starts right out of the gate with who they were, who we are before Jesus. Verse 1, and you were dead He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. When I come to this passage of scripture, I just want to admit right up front, I'm intimidated by this passage. This is, when I read through these verses and I look at it and I just think, how, how in 30 minutes do you unpack the bedrock of our salvation? Listen, how in 30 years do you unpack this bedrock of our salvation? How do you in 30 lifetimes? I'm, I, I look at this passage and I, and I think, you know, in, in in some ways it's like, if I had walked into Sanford Stadium yesterday and they said, hey, Carlos, here's, uh, we need you to play today, and here's jersey 34. I'd be, no, I, we're not. We're not doing uh, 34. You know, in your mind, you're like, you don't, you don't just put anybody in that jersey. And when you come to this passage of scripture, I feel like somebody's just handed us uh, jersey 34 and said, now go uh, go, go preach it, go go live it, go understand it. I want to call this message today Picture Perfect. Picture Perfect. I, I, I've This is the third time I've preached through the book of Ephesians. I'm, I'm not looking at those old sermons, but I did early this morning go back. As I thought about that title, Picture Perfect, I thought, I wonder what I called the sermons back there in the past. And I got my record book out, and I went back to the fall of Uh, 1992, and I found a sermon. It was Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 7, I think, then. And and the sermon that day was called A Passage with a View. A Passage with a View. And calling this week's sermon a, a picture perfect. In 2000, in the fall of 2000, I preached through the book of Ephesians here. And I looked back and found it was Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 9. And the sermon title was, You've Come a Long Way, Baby. That was the sermon title. So today, just picture perfect. I want you to see these pictures of who we were before Jesus, what God did, then who you are since God did what he does, and then who we will be and what God will do in the future. To this point, the apostle Paul has talked about the triune work of God in salvation. Remember, this is the doctrine of salvation. When you sit here today saying, "Yes, I know I'll go to heaven. I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior." This is what the meat of that salvation is. This is what happened and you know in Christ and what will happen because you know Christ, and the triune God, Paul says first has been involved in that. Chapter 1 says that God the Father chose us. It says that God the Son redeemed us. And God the Holy Spirit sealed us. And then the second half of chapter 1, Paul prays that we would know three things. He says, I'm praying that you would know the hope of your calling. And I'm praying that you will know the riches of his glorious inheritance. And I'm praying that you will know the greatness of his power. And that greatness of his power was demonstrated in the raising of Jesus Christ from the dead and the seating of him at the throne of the Father in heaven. And now he moves from that kind of power and he says, let me show you how that power works in salvation. This is how the power of God worked in you being saved. First picture, number one, look what You were. Picture goes up, heading or the subtitle. Look what you were. This is the bad news. Look at it. Verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That's where it starts. And you got up early this morning, worked hard to get here for this news. Before Jesus, you weren't doing all right, you weren't doing pretty good. You weren't improving. You weren't on your way to getting better. We were dead. We were dead. It says you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. This is the bad news. A few weeks ago, we talked about the best news of Jesus Christ. This is the bad news before we get to the best news. You know what this picture is? This is the bad hair day picture. This is the picture that you scream to your family. No, you're not posting that. We're not using that picture. And the Apostle Paul comes here and he says, this is the picture we need to get out there. You need to know that spiritually there's been this picture. And you may be embarrassed by it. You might even be ashamed of it. You might feel guilty because of it. But this is the reality of all mankind before Jesus Christ, before God does what God does You were dead in your trespasses. Number one in this who you were, dead spiritually. Obviously, they weren't dead physically. They're reading the letter. And we're not dead physically. We're here listening to the message. But they were dead spiritually in trespasses and sins. What what does that mean? It means they were separated from God because of their sin and trespasses. Words sin and trespasses are meant to be synonyms, describing our sinful state before Jesus. It's the uh, words that literally mean missing the mark or stumbling along the path. It's Romans 3:23 that says, "For all have sinned, for all have missed the mark, for all have stumbled along the path. So all have missed the way. Not a few people, not some people, but all people." And he says, "You're." You have missed the way. You have been walking dead men. It it is the image today of what we might talk about as zombies. Dead but moving around. Decaying but moving around. And he he says the, the bad news is this. You are dead spiritually separated because of your sin. Think of the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, there was fellowship with God. But there was law. And Adam and Eve broke the law and they ate of the tree. Of, they, ate, they ate of the fruit of the tree. And when they did, what happened? They saw themselves. They clothed themselves. They hid from God. There was separation between them and God. They didn't die immediately, physically, but they were separated immediately, spiritually. They were dead. To be dead spiritually means that before Jesus Christ, there is not something in us that has a bent toward God. There is not something in us that is going after God. It means that there is not improvement that's going to happen in our life that's going to make us right with God. It's not add these few things to your life or learn these five principles or work on these seven self-help rules and you will become alive. He says you are dead spiritually because of your sin and trespasses. He goes on, he says, not only were you dead spiritually, but you were walking around and you were following some things, three things. You were following the course of the world. You were following the course of the world. Look at it, he says, following, verse two, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. That means the culture of this world, the ways of this world. There's a God way, there's a God standard, There's a God path. There's God's glory. This is before Jesus. You were going after a different way. You weren't a wholehearted follower of Christ. You were following after the ways of the world. It's culture. It's what pulls us away from God. It's not what pulls us toward God. It's a pattern. It's a a pull toward what is in rebellion against God. You're following the course of this world. You were controlled by the prince of the air. Look at it. Verse 2, following the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. That's the enemy. Jesus identified him in John 10.10 when he said that the enemy, the thief, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he says, before Jesus Christ, that's who we were following. We were following his control. And then he says you were being carried you were, being, you were carrying out your passion. You were carrying out your passion and desires of the body and mind. Notice the control. Dead spiritually, separated from God, but still operating, following the prince of the power of this world, going after the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body. And he goes further. You were children of wrath. Verse 3. You were by nature. Children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. The rest of mankind, what he does in this verse is that he levels the playing ground. He levels the living ground. He levels the ground of the earth. And he says, All mankind, regardless of what generation we've lived in, we we might refer to a certain time as the Dark Ages, we might refer to a certain time as New Age. We might refer to the coming ages. It's regardless of what generation, regardless of what race, regardless of what level of education, he says all of mankind were just in this same condition, dead spiritually, following the course of the world, the prince, the power of the air, and carrying out the passion and desires of the body and mind. That was your God. And because of that, object of wrath, God's judgment. Romans six twenty-three, for the wages of sin. Is death. There's judgment. Let me say this about who we were. Before Jesus Christ, this is a picture of who we were. And you know what? You don't give medicine to a dead man. You don't give medicine to a dead man. You, you don't coach up a dead player. You don't teach new tricks to a dead dog. There's only one hope For someone who's dead, spiritually, resurrection, resurrection, new life. If you're sitting in this room today saying, Pastor, I just want to get better. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm just going to do more next year. Listen, the story before Jesus is dead. Second picture. Look what God did. Look what God did. Verse 4. Let's take a breath. Verse 4. Two words, six letters. Changes all of eternity. Takes you from death Life. Here are the two words Here are the six letters But God I want to shout it I want to make it really loud right now I mean if you were in speech communication They would say You got something to be excited about. Let it out. There's no way I can shout it loud enough. There's no way I can say it with enough passion. It's not an emotional response. It is a truth that matters for eternity. And it ought to cause us to shout. If we were dead in our trespasses and sins, children of wrath then but God but God what did God do? He broke through but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Listen, if you get the bad news today, Spirit of God, help us get the... Best news, help us get this good news that God broke through. He brought his mercy to the table. He brought his love to the table. He brought his grace to the table. And he has caused you to live again. He has allowed you to pass from death to life. He's allowed you to go from being dead to being alive. How did that happen? Mercy. Mercy. We're an object of God's wrath. We're lined up in all of God's wrath to be poured out on our sin. Maybe this is hard for us to grasp because we've spent so little time talking about the reality of hell. And the reality of eternal damnation and the reality of eternal separation from God if he doesn't break through in a but God moment. And being objects of wrath, it takes his mercy. And what does mercy mean? Mercy is the withholding of what we deserve. And God, who is rich in mercy, comes to us knowing that we deserve his wrath, but he withholds that wrath from us. And that wave of wrath doesn't drown us for eternity. He withholds that from us, and then he lavishes his love upon us. And then he pours out his grace. Look at it. He says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. Mercy is withholding what we deserve. Grace is God pouring out on us what is undeserved. I, I, we, there's nothing we can do to deserve his salvation. Salvation. We can never be good enough, never earn it, never erase our sin. But his grace, you can't talk about that word without using those letters. It's great riches at Christ's expense. It's God giving to us undeserved blessing. All of those spiritual blessings that we talked about a moment ago, free to us. That's why the songs we sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Like me, God made us alive. That's what he did. Third picture, look what we are. What are we? We were dead, but God made us alive. Verse 5, made us alive. This is who we are. Made us alive with him, together with Christ. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Three things. He made us alive. That's who you are. You know Jesus. You go back to Bible school. You go back to first year of college. You go back to your 40s. You go back to that day where you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What happened in that salvation? You went from death to life. You were made alive together together with Christ. When was Christ made alive? He was made alive when He raised out of the grave. He says you were made alive with Him. You have been resurrected with Him. You've been raised with Him, it says. So you're made alive with Christ, you're raised up with Him, and then you're seated with Him. What we're talking about, stay with me just a second, what we're talking about is our position. Now, Physically, you're seated in this room. Spiritually, you're seated somewhere else. Spiritually, you're alive and you're with him, alive. You are raised with him. You have resurrection power living in you, allows you to live forever. You're, you're seated with him in the heavenlies. Listen, God may see you here. I may see you here physically, but when God looks at you spiritually You're as good, you're as alive as Jesus. You're as good and raised with him. You are seated with him in the heavenlies. Listen, friends, you have a different position in Christ today. That's a hallelujah thing, that God would give us this position, and it's this union with Christ that you have. It's not out here on your own trying to do the best you can. You've been made alive with Christ. You've been raised with him. You've been seated with him Your position is in him. You remember those days back there where you did something wrong after you were saved? Maybe this morning. Maybe last week. And you feel awful about it. You feel convicted about it. You're bothered by it. You're hurt over it. You know what that is? That's you being alive and sinning. It's the work of the Holy Spirit saying, you're not living... According to your position, this is not what? This is not who you are. How many times do we hear in testimonies on the news when something goes tragically wrong in a person's life and somebody stands up and says, that's just not who they are. Listen, there is a who we are before Christ and there is a who we are after Christ. Before Christ, people aren't convicted about sin. They may be convicted by culture. They may be bothered by something because it makes them uncomfortable. But friends, there's a difference in being uncomfortable according to the culture of the world and being convicted according to our position in Christ. And Paul is painting a picture here for the Ephesians saying, look, you were back here, then God did something, he saved you, and now your life is lived with Christ, alive with him, raised with him, seated with him. Think about the confidence that comes from that, the authority to rebuke the enemy because of that, the one who is greater living in you than the one that's in the world. To give you victory over temptation and sin. It's your position in Christ. Grab a hold of that. Let me ask you. Yesterday. I noticed that when you came in the room a while ago before 10.30. I could have been gone for a year and walked in the room while I go at 10.30. And I could have said this. Georgia won yesterday. I mean this place was talking. It was buzzing. So let me ask you, participate. Who won yesterday? George. So that means that what? We won, right? We won yesterday. So answer that again. Who won yesterday? We won. All right, let me ask you this question Who did the work yesterday? They did. <laughs> Who won yesterday? Did. Who did the work yesterday? We did. Who won yesterday? We did. Who's going to win the national championship? <laughs> we will. <laughs> Who's going to do the work? Yes. They are. <laughs> On the cross. Who did the work? He did. Who won on the cross? We. Listen. We won because He did the work for us. For by grace you have been saved. It's our position in Christ, but listen, last picture, last picture, look what God will do, look what God will do, it says in verse 7, so that, all of that that we just said, for by grace, his mercy, his love, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He just keeps layering it on, his mercy, his love, his grace, his kindness. In fact, Paul feels like I did just being given the jersey 34. He says, it's immeasurable. I don't even know what to do with it. I don't know how to describe it. He says, in the coming ages, he did all of this so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us. This is the picture of what God will do in your life. And what he just said is is that he saved you so that he can bring you home to be with him so that he can what? Pour more of his grace, in fact, immeasurable grace, out on you. You know what this is? Do you know what this is? Neil, you know what this is? This is a keep your fork moment. Y'all know what that is? You know what a keep your fork moment is? You've just had that amazing meal by that amazing host, and they come, and they're gathering all the plates, and you put your forks and knives and plates, and you hand them and say, oh, no, no, just give me your plate. Keep your fork. Hallelujah. And that's what he said He just said I, I've given you the meal I, I've given you mercy I've given you grace I've given you love But keep your fork spiritually I'm going to pour out There's more There's more There's more to come I am going to show The immeasurable riches Of my grace In kindness toward you In Christ Jesus There's more to come There's more to come No." I I want to ask you, do you want to be alive today? Maybe you sit here and you say, I hear some amens in this room. I I hear some people that seem excited. Do you want to be alive today? You can. How? How can you go from death to life? How can you go from death to life? Look at it. In verse 8, he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's the third time he's referred to faith. Here he says, By grace you're saved through faith. And then he says, Up in verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? And then in verse 13 of chapter 1, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. How you go from death to life. Is by believing that Jesus Christ did the work on the cross for you. And you're trusting that your only hope of forgiveness in heaven is because of what he did. It seems almost too good to be true. That means that all of your guilt. All of your sin and trespasses from the past. Are put up on his shoulder. And he bears the burden. He died your death so that you could have His life. Amen. When I see this picture of immeasurable grace, I got to tell you, we were the family. You've probably wondered when you were on trips who were the family, but our family bought the ticket and we went in to the Ripley's, believe it or not, venue the Sibleys from Mount Hope Alabama we did it in there I still this image right when you we walked in was this massive faucet some of you call it a spigot a massive faucet and it's just suspended in midair and you're just staring at it as a kid and it's way up in the air as a little kid. And out of that, I couldn't have reached around it with my arms. This massive flow of water just coming out of that faucet, just as full like Niagara Falls, just splashing into this big pool of water. And it just, and as long as I stood there, and I could like walk around it, look around. Some of you smart in the room, you figure that out, you know how that works. But for me, as a little kid, I'm just looking at it. We went in, we came out, I walked around it. It was unending. And I could just, when I read this passage, All I can think about is just God with this unending flow of just grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace for all of eternity. And when all these pictures come together, you put the collage together and what you see is the kindness of God Overflowing in immeasurable grace now and forever to each one who believes in Christ and I don't want to spend any more time giving application I just want it to sit on your soul I want to ask the band if they'll come they're going to help us kind of sing this truth but I want it to sit on your soul who you were what God did who you are, what your position is, and what's to come. And as that sits on your soul this week, see, see if you don't see a different kind of life. Let's stand together. God help us to see a little more of your grace.